Welcome to the Currently Podcast. My name is Jasmine Porter, a freelance television and film professional. Each episode, I'll bring you a unique crew member from a different department to discuss their role in making a film. We'll give you exclusive behind-the-scenes stories and advice on how you can get your start, too. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to The Crew Life. Hey, everybody. It's Jasmine Porter, and I'm back with another episode of The Crew Only Podcast. And today, I'm here with Byron Brown II. And I actually met Byron back in, what was it, 2017 Mm -hmm. on the Colbert film directed by William... Fickner. Yeah, that was the first time we ever met. And then I feel like since then we worked on like a couple movies together in the Buffalo area. And now we are working on A Quiet Place 2 together here in Buffalo, New York in 2019. So Byron, thank you so much for joining me. Um, You know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, I got into the industry, man, randomly. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was at UB, I did the camera work for this oh, theater class. Yeah, I was a digital media major at UB. And I had kind of lied about like my experience mm-hmm. to get into my program cuz like Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. I taught myself real quick like how to use Final Cut and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I caught up like it was nothing. But um I was doing the um the camera work for this theater class, acting for the camera, which was um taught by Stephen Henderson, who was like it's really a world-renowned actor when you think about it, but he's from Buffalo, New York. And Corey Green was doing his movie, The Romans, and Stephen Henderson had his cameo in it. That name sounds so familiar. Oh, he's a Corey Green is a pioneer in the film industry. Why he's probably I the think... greatest filmmaker in Buffalo. If right I'm now. like, okay, tell me a movie. Uh, he did The Romans. He did The Blackness Project. Okay. Free Moses. We we edited in Free Moses right now. I heard about The Blackness Project. Um, what, tra- why can't I think of his name? Travis Johnson. Yes, yes, Pete. yes, yes. Pete. Yeah. Yeah, Pete, um, Pete, me, Pete, and Corey pretty much did that. Our friend Groove shot it, Groovin' and Steve. We had a good team. It was I didn't like know a five-man team. involved in that. Holy crap. I was the assistant director and executive producer. What? Look at you. I edited it a little bit, too. Dope. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's tight. We just dropped it on YouTube for free, so, I mean, whoever listening, y'all should check it out on YouTube. The too. Blackness Project. Didn't it make the national news or something, too? I saw Pete talking about it on Facebook and I don't know, he was traveling around with it. I feel like it got some pretty good buzz. Yeah, we showed it out of town, and um, CBS came in and covered it. Mm-hmm. They covered a showing we did here at the Birchfield Penny and uh, interviewed Corey and Pete. Dope. Yeah, it was, it was fire. They uh, they wanted to try to run it on CBS. Um, I don't know what's going on with that because we hadn't coordinated it It might still be in, in the work. Sometimes stuff like that take a while, you know yeah. what I mean? But it would be amazing to see that on there. I it think would. it's a really powerful film. I cry every time I watch it. What is it exactly about, if you don't mind sharing with us? It's about race and culture from the minority perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was, it started out like, you know, he saw the Whiteness Project and it wasn't like, you know, like to combat it. It was just kind of like to further that dialogue that it created. Yeah. So he, I guess he saw that and felt compelled to make the Blackness Project. And when I saw the first trailer he did, I'm like, damn, this is like, it was so powerful. I just reached out like, yo, what's good with that? He was like, yo, we need you to work with it, work mm-hmm. on it with us. So. It was sweet. I mean, me, me and him been rocking ever since. Like he was, he directed the first movie I acted in. Now that you just mentioned that, I do remember before I think I met you. I used to see stuff. Um, people like would post you about things that you were actually acting in. So then when I saw you on set, I was like, wait, so he an actor and he? Because sometimes a lot of people only do one thing. Like either they just act, or you know what I mean, or they're actually a crew member. Like they don't always do both. But I feel like you are like, actively involved in both aspects of like being an actor and being involved in the filmmaking aspect of it. So how do you kind of balance both of those? 
Well, I never really wanted to be an actor. I was really shy coming up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've I've come out of my shell now. You know, as I as I start to transcend my light and you know learn myself more. But I was always shy coming up. My parents always like, you should do theater. You should do this play. But I was I was scared. But that was just this kind of ties in back to like you know the first movie I was on. Um, so Stephen Henderson told me I should meet Corey because I told him I wanted to be a director. So I like was meeting Corey to basically shadow him as a director, mm-hmm. like at his office. And uh, when he comes up to meet me, he's like, yo, you look like my main character in my mind. Like, I want you to read for this role. And I'm like, what, bro? I never acted. I kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. help you out with the direction or just shadow you, whatever. Like, this isn't what I was and trying was to like, do. Listen, just just read it. So I, I read the lines and he was like, yeah, I'm going to cast you. I want to cast you. And I, I was still a little skeptical because I'm, I'm still super shy at this time. Mm-hmm. And then he told me how much I was about to get paid. I'm making no <laughs> money right now, you know, as a college student. And I'm yeah. like, what? All right, it's bet. a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm like, all right, bet. <laughs> Where? So that was, like, the first movie I acted in. Um, when I look back on it now, it's very cringeworthy, <laughs> my acting. Like your actual acting skills. Yeah, but, like, the film overall was amazing. It was written really well. It was shot really well. Um, and it was a great learning experience for me. And it, it showed me, like, damn, I do kind of fuck with acting. And it helps me be a better filmmaker on the other side of the camera. Because you understand a little bit more about what the actor's process is like. Especially because I know you just mentioned that you want to continue doing camera stuff and actually directing. So now you know how to talk to actors because you know what actually helps them. Right. And a lot of people don't you know, necessarily always know how to talk to the actors to get that out of them. To That's deliver what they need to deliver. And I mean, the best directors, I feel like, know how to really connect with that, with, mm-hmm. with that actor. You know, they, they have a good rapport and that, that helps them, you know, direct that person to the best of their potential. So can you tell me a little bit about um, your experience of what the film industry is like in Buffalo? And are you kind of surprised, um, I would say, by some of the movies that have been being made here? I mean, I'm not surprised because I'm, I'm pretty close to the film commissioners. Mm-hmm. You know, they every time you talk to them, it's like they're talking to so many people like they're talking. They, it's so many that don't make it here. So. So, and this is nothing bad, but I think it's with anything. There's always like so many negotiations and so many steps of like, okay, yeah, this movie is going to come and then they pull out. But a lot of times, you know, you hear people, they're like, yeah, this movie is going to come. This movie is going to come. And then it's like maybe only one or two actually come. But I think more and more um, studios and production companies are actually thinking about making their movies here in Buffalo. Well, yeah, there's a lot of studios that are looking to set up shop here now yeah. because the the incentives that we have, that 40%, like, n- nobody else has that, <laughs> yeah. you know? So that's that makes it super marketable to shoot here. And we have the space to, like, build those stages. We've got the space. Like, you can't do We've that. We've got the scenery in the city. And then people get here and they realize how Dope friendly it is. it is and, like, how how open they are to, like, working with the, the filmmakers. And they're like, oh, bet, we coming back, so. Yeah, I'm not from Buffalo, I'm from Niagara Falls, but I'm still within the same area. And I think people still had this idea of what Buffalo was like maybe 10, 15 years ago. And so like even when college students come here or when we were trying to get like through, people were like, I'm not spending my summer in Buffalo. But then a lot of them got here and was like, nah, Buffalo is super dope. Like, Yeah, people be re- loving it. The restaurants are amazing. It's just so many cool things that you can do here. And I think people, if they come to Buffalo, they'll actually really enjoy it. They just don't know what's here. You know what that remind me about when uh, people say like upstate New York. It's not up like it's Western. Yes, yeah, like, I'm like it's actually not. It's Western not New York. Complete, it's a complete different. So I think a lot of people downstate just kind of have this weird idea of what Buffalo actually is. So 
no, I definitely think we'll see more films coming to Buffalo, more people wanting to work here. So I agree. I like it. Are you ever planning to work outside of Buffalo or do you want to stay here and make this your home base? I've worked on a couple of joints in New York City. How'd you like it down there? I like it. It's cool. Um, I was I worked as an electrician, and mm-hmm. I wasn't completely comfortable with the workflow yet, so it was difficult for me in that aspect. Like in what kind of sense you weren't comfortable with the workflow? Well, it's, it's a tough job. Uh, I, I think it's the most important job on set, you know, because you're dealing with machinery that could, like, kill people. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, tough to, to be comfortable with that electricity you pumping out of the, the Jenny and stuff. So yeah. I wasn't. So just not just being uncomfortable in a job that you're supposed to do is just it's tough, but and then being you know working with crew that you're not familiar with that's the yeah. hardest part about working out of town. Because you, you here it's a like you know I got a bro like that's pretty much in the department with me. Usually I could be like bro like the help. the gaffer just told me to do this, but <laughs> I don't know how. So yeah. can you help? But I mean now I'll just be like I don't know what you're talking about. Like can you show me? And usually when you show me I'm a I'm a know from there. I'm I'm way more comfortable now than when I worked in New York City. So can you share a little bit about what you actually do on a film set and what those responsibilities are so people can understand, like, your, you know... Well, currently on this joint, Mm -hmm. on A Quiet Place 2, I'm working as a rigging electrician. And, um... What does that exactly mean? So basically, we, like, rig all the electricity on the set before everybody gets there. So once they pull up, like, the set is ready to be powered. And then if there's like LRXs or like eighteen Ks. LRX is a big light. Like there's a I just learned this week there's only two hundred and fifty mate in the world. What? And, and we of got, those type of lights? Yeah, and we got mad of them on this movie. That's like a testament to how big the budget is and how like how like prolific the like the lighting people that work on this are. Yeah, like, we do have dope people. Like my rigging um <clears throat> my rigging gaffer, he came off of like the last two Avengers before this. Yeah. That's crazy. He he been overseas That's shooting. That's my boss. For... Yeah, he yes, did too. No, she she's a woman and she was the UPM for both of the. Oh, last that's Avengers. cool. So they got a big. They a lot of but, these people yeah. got a big rapport with each or other. Or like our stunts people, you know, they just came off of Bad Boys and they've done Transformers. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of the people on this. And then so I yeah, this joint is little to them. Yeah, like our ILM people who do our visual effects, that was the company that was founded by George Lucas, which we know who that is, Star Wars. Yeah. He founded ILM. <laughs> This is the biggest project that I've ever worked on. And working with these types of people, I'll look at the IMDB or and I'll look at what other jobs these people have done. And I'm like, damn. They must be loaded. I haven't looked at anybody's, but I know they loaded. You should. You should look at some. You'll be like, damn, they worked on that movie. You know what I mean? You'll just start putting together how talented some of these people on the crew are. But again, people don't, you know what I mean? Like they're not directors and they're not actors. So half of the people don't even know their names. But it's (laughs) like. They're responsible, and they've put in so much work to make these movies great. Yeah. So, but, um, no, keep, go ahead, keep talking about what your actual job is so people can understand a little bit more. Oh, so, yeah, if there's, like, lights we need to put up in the lift, like, those, those LRXs, mm-hmm. I was just mentioning those because we, that was the last thing I did yesterday was, um, I rigged some LRXs up to a big, like, lift that they had to like did you see it at the silos they had to like put it all the way up and then shoot it down in there was it in the co- the column room the column room which is what we the column room yeah okay yeah that joint we rigged that so we do that um we got to like rig the cord to the like the arms mm-hmm. so it could safely like arm all the way out and arm in um connect to the jenny check the jenny and make sure it could like handle all the electricity we about to run out of it 
how has this experience been for you compared to other movies that you've worked on? Uh, it's been interesting, for sure. Interesting how? Interesting can be good or bad. How would you define interesting in this case? It's interestingly been both. Okay. You know? You want to share um, how? The good and the bad? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We can start on the good. The good is like, you know, I'm working with these prolific people who I get to learn a lot from, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Who have, have been very storied in the industry, like, been working on movies since before I was born, which is like right. crazy. To <laughs> I'm even, like, you're like my mom. To <laughs> even think about, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's fire. So to be able to learn from them and watch them is, is a blessing. But it can mm-hmm. be a blessing and a curse because, like, when you've been in it so long, you're so stuck in your ways that... Yeah, they're you not really adapt to you change. You can't deviate, and that's that's tough for me, because I work like that. You know, you I adapt to the situation, the mm-hmm. environment, like. So, that was that was the hard part, just just dealing with people who are so stuck in their ways, like they not trying to hear you. Yeah, and that's not always like just something specific to film. You hear a lot about that when people work in corporate America, when you have young people going in and it's all these people who are much older than them and they just don't want to change, especially with technology, they just don't want to change how things are being done. It's like, we can't still do stuff how we used to do it 20 years ago. That's definitely some life shit. But old heads is intimidated by millennials, you know? And And then presumably Gen Z. Yo, the Gen Z is so different. They're so different than us. That they are. They start what nineteen ninety five, right? Because I feel like millennials stop. What is it? Nineteen ninety four, and then is that how that works? How, like how does it, like Gen Z starts at nineteen ninety five, right? I'm not sure. Kenny, I really don't know. I, I can't remember, but I feel like nineteen ninety four is like that cutoff between millennials and then even Gen the young Z. joints. Because I like. I got like kind of like a following with the the younger kids here mm-hmm. locally that be like nineteen and stuff. They like they fuck with my art. Yeah. So just being around them is like, yo, y'all think y'all act so different. Like it's just it's crazy. Most people, I mean, I think in general, a lot of the stuff that we've done generational to generational ain't that much different. Like things change, but it I feel like it's still a lot of the same stuff. It's not stuff. different, but it's just like the way they go about, about it. it. So yeah. When then when I look at that, I could look at, you know, the people behind us and see why they looking at me like that. You yeah. know, and I'll react to it different. Like to me it's like it's interesting to see, but to them it's like, you know, they look at me like I got two heads for doing some shit different. And it's like that's Is that how you look at the younger kids? I don't look at them like that. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I look at how they came up under us, you know, so it's it's only I expect them to be a little greater than us, yeah. you know, because we paved that way for them. It's the same thing with people's parents, right? Like they always kind of say they want our children to be better versions, you know, or I don't want to say better versions of them because we're all in people, but they just always want us to do better than it's, they did. It's interesting because I feel like that's the general consensus among mm-hmm. old people. But then when you like, when they see you doing better than them, it's like, it's like they don't like it. You think so? <laughs> Kind of. Like with parents? Not with parents, but with like people, older people you're working with. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I definitely get that. Yeah. Not even like, it's not even that you're doing better than them. It's just like when they see you shine and they like, it's intimidating. Well, because this is whole thing, especially I would say in the workplace, it's like being replaced. (laughs) Yeah, that's how. You know, uh, that's what it is. That's how the New York gaffer talked about it. Like if somebody going to take your job, like you want them to at least be like, you want to be able to look at them and be like, yeah, I could see why he took my job. Yeah, you don't want to. I don't see why you can't see that with me, though. I don't know. I think it's like intimidating because and also like one thing I don't like and I've I've never encountered this, but 
I've heard stories where younger people will go into a workplace and like the older people don't. They don't want to make sure that they're actually like equipped with all the skills. They just want to hold them down to a certain level so that they don't get any better than them. Because why? They don't want them <laughs> to do better because they don't want to replace them. But I think that's realistically we're supposed to be working together at this company or exactly. wherever we're working. It's funny you say that because like, like the first week my boss didn't even talk to me on this joint. Really? Yeah. Why do you think that was? I have no idea. Did you ever I, like? I do think he was intimidated by my, by my, just by my presence, by my being, because I'm. Because like, you're very. I'm unorthodox. Diff- like, yeah. I'm, I'm playing my music, like, and I feel like we should be able to do that, you yeah. know. So maybe he didn't like that. Certain workplaces kind of want people to conform, right? And I think people, as much as people say they're open, right? But when they actually meet somebody who's the complete opposite, they don't always really know how to handle it. And so maybe certain instances like that, you see how people don't really know how to deal with somebody who isn't easily to conform to certain situations. And they're not used to people being like really who they are. I've seen you in instances where it's like, it doesn't matter if you're talking to like the main boss or whatever, you're gonna act the same in front of them as you're gonna act the same in front of the other gaffer. That's, I feel like that's how it should be. I feel like that's how we got to be as people. I mm-hmm. think it's weird when people, like, change up how they act around, like, you know? Yeah. Somebody like that. But that's, a, I think that's, like, where con- classical conditioning comes into play. Like, we as a society are really conditioned, and I can't knock people for that because that was instituted before we even got here. Would you say that's naturally who you are, or do you think you purposely have been, like, I'm going to be super different and extreme because I don't want to, like, fit in? I mean, it took me a long time to get like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still becoming who, I, who, who I'm going to be, you know, and I just, I don't know who I am now is just the distance between who I used to be and who I want to be. So yeah. we're never um, fully there yet. Yeah. If I put the intention on behind being different pr- purposely, mm-hmm. I feel like that wouldn't even be like me. So I just, I try to always just do what I feel, you know, and, and be righteous. And I feel like what's righteous, it doesn't always have to be what's right. Like, you know, sometimes the righteous move you know, to society standards will be bad or like illegal or negative. But, but for you, if it's, it's righteous, if it's righteous, that's how I feel like that's what I feel like I usually have to do in that moment. I'm going to ask you, how would your closest friends describe you? And we can ask Kenny, do you want to answer? Because Kenny, you say you know him for what, 10, 12 years? I've known Kenny all my life. We played like basketball together at AAU when I was like, let's talk about it. When I was like, he wasn't tight type. When- he wasn't tight back then, but I seen, I, I, I looked up to you then. Like I've looked up to him all my life. He's like the coolest person I know. Why? Why do you? Well, first, look up to Kenny. I mean, first, just looking at his musical talent. Like I, I, I truly believe he's the best producer in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, he like Kanye to me. Like he will tell me like something that he's about to do or something that's about to come next, and like a year later, like it, it happens. Like yeah. fashion wise, music wise, like culture wise. He's just a visionary, so I I think that that's amazing, and I, I've always liked the way he carried himself, and he taught me the importance of vibes and shit. So like, I don't know, I just I've, I've learned important. a lot from him. He's like a brother to me. Kenny, how would you describe Byron? I think Byron is someone who grew up having to sometimes portray a certain image, mm-hmm. and throughout the throughout these like past few years. Um, I think he always wanted to be something else than what he was going with. But I always knew him. Yeah. See, the, see, the thing about him is, like he said, he's transparent. He's always been like this. But you wouldn't know this about him, say, a couple years ago, if you weren't around him. You know what I mean? Now it's like he's always like this. He yeah. always is like just trying to, 
you know, live. I think he's just living life right now. You know what I mean? That's what I like. Trying to live in his truth. Yeah, he's just he's facing everything. You know what I mean? Um, more, he's just a lot more comfortable with himself. You know what I mean? Which is which is very important. Um, and he's just you know one one skill he has in my opinion that he's always been good at. He's just he's just a likable person mm -hmm. overall. You know, people just are drawn to him naturally. He can hold a kind, an intelligent conversation yeah. with anybody, you know, which is important. Because people you know, can't talk to everybody. They can't, you know. And they can't hold a good conversation with anybody. You know, and I'm I'm not like that. I'm the person over in the corner, you mm -hmm. know what I mean, Who who is not a bad person or... It's, it's not just, that you're not intelligent either. I, not at all, you know what I mean? It's just a lot of people don't even want to bring themselves into my area. But I do that to myself. He doesn't. He, and he doesn't have to put himself out there. Well, I got like a little formula for that, really. Because it's like everybody, you have a middle ground with literally everyone in the world. Like it's, it's something you have in common with everybody. So to connect with somebody, you meet them at, at their middle ground. And then like that's when you get them to open up. And then from there, you could show them like, you know, your island. Oh, let me, you know, climb up this ladder with me but now. But you're willing to go to that middle ground. Yeah, yeah. Some Everybody isn't. A lot of people I, I don't find it necessary to go to certain and, people. And then sometimes it's tough to even find it. You know what I'm saying? Or know where it's at. So you got to do some digging to even know where the middle ground is. And a lot of people don't like to do that work. Kenny, you mentioned something, um, and I'm going to quote it wrong, but you mentioned something when you first started talking about Byron, um, kind of about in the beginning um, how he was maybe trying to portray something else. Yeah. Do you think that kind of had something to do with, like, his family? Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. You know, he... What people fail to realize, I think, also about Byron is, you know, because I, I heard you talking earlier on set, you know, he might seem somewhat of an outcast at times. But at the end of the day, he has, like, the most utmost... He's the one of the most respectful people. You know, he has a great yeah. father a great father so he has manners and he has you know he knows how to carry himself as a gentleman you know it's just you know he's in tune with his artistic side right now so yeah. he's just expressing himself you know what i mean but he does it in a respectful way that's what i think is so cool about him um, yeah but yeah of course you know your dad being who, who he is you know one thing i've also respected about him is he's never used that shit he doesn't use that to his advantage. Oh, not at all. He doesn't carry himself differently just because of who his father is. Which I would. No, and I, you know, for some Most people do, though. Most people would, you know what I mean? However, you lose integrity. You lose yeah. yourself in that. But I think you, know? you I, you're right, but also it's if you're not any good, right? Like, right. if you can use that to help you get in the door, but if you're actually good at what you're doing, you're responsible, I think people have no reason but to respect it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I know some people, I know some artists that have made comments about him, you know, saying, you know, I've heard that, I don't even know if I've ever told him that, you know, he's not, he not an artist, you know, but what's crazy is... Who defines that, though? But he been, but he's been doing this since he was younger. If you, but again, that's they something you would not know. If you've been drawing all my life. I remember, been forever. I remember, like, it was like, like, pre-K maybe, like, people always draw the Dragon Ball Z characters mm -hmm. and, like, cut them out and have them, like, toys, and, like, it was so sweet to me. And I used to try to draw him and be so bad. Like, I'm like, yo, how is he so nice? It'd be like the, the third graders or something. Yeah. I was like pre-K, kindergarten maybe. And I'll try to do it. And I'm like, yo, I cannot do it like them. And they would cut it out and give it to me, bro. And I would just go home and do it so many times till I got nice. Like, I've just been drawing forever. Just because I, I don't know. I always wanted this. I loved it. 
Yeah. Byron, can you share with me a little bit about how the impact of who your family is has kind of shaped you in either a good or negative way? I feel like I'm so used to it now because mm-hmm. my, my father has been in politics all my life. Yeah. You know, like before he became mayor, he was in the Senate. You know, before the Senate, he was the Madison District Council member. Mm-hmm. I think I, I can't even remember after that. You know what I'm saying? It's just always what you've been used to. Yeah. So he taught me how to work a room, like watching him. I used to hate going to political events. And now, like, I, like I, I realized the the impact it had on me. It helped me, you know, it helped me transcend my life. You know how to work a room. <laughs> yeah. It helped me transcend my life a lot. You know, my, I'm blessed to have my father in my household. He's, he's the best role model I could ask for. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched him bring us from the smallest crib in the hood on the east uh, on the east side on east ferry like where we shot right down the street from buffalo vac i'm like it's so amazing to be working on that movie on the like the street i grew up on yeah that's beautiful but basically i watched him bring us from that like the smallest house on the block from nothing to something just working hard so i don't know he instilled hard work in me all my life like i could hear him in the back of my head sometimes be a leader not a follower like everything he used to say is just it's back there like it's programmed in me do you feel like people doubt you or feel some kind of way about you like prejudge you because of they see who your father is and then they maybe have this idea of what they think you would be people or be? people always have a preconceived notion of like mm-hmm. who i am like what i would be like or like what i'm supposed to be yeah but i think that's like you know a lot of people go through that so mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a storm that I think can be easily weathered because I don't really care what people think. Yeah. It's more important what people know. And I don't know. If you take the time to learn, like, you can see. Yeah. What is your goals, I would say? We know, we'll get into your art a little bit because you actually have a show coming up on September 7th, the art show. One week away. One week away. So aside from being an artist working in this industry, what would you say is like your ultimate career goals working in the film industry? In the film industry, hold on. Yo, DZ. Yeah, yo. The, hey! <laughs> this is Jazzy. We in the middle of this podcast. I'll call you right after. Okay, where? Peace. Um, I, I did him... Well, that sounds weird. I had him... <laughs> she paused. That was a pause. That yep, was like a pause. pause. I had him on the podcast, I think, last year. Yeah, I think sometime last. It's been a minute, though, but I had him on. DZ is dope. Okay, so we were talking about my, my goals. Yes, what are your ultimate like career goals in the in the film industry? And then we'll get into your art. So originally I wanted to be a DP. Like I you know, I shoot music videos. Which is sometimes. director of photography for those of you yeah, who might not I know. I wanted to be a director of photography. Like before I ever worked in film, that's like, yeah, I wanna do that. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I like once I started working as an A C I've been an A C on probably Assistant like Assistant camera. Probably on like seven films now. I started to see like, uh eh, I, I could D P you know, untechnically, because I don't know as much about lights as I feel like a DP should, but I'd rather be a director. Like, I feel like I, I'm a, I'll be a better director. So now... Than you would as a DP. Yeah. Even though I'll still end up DPing a couple things, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Like, I'll shoot some stuff. Like, I'm going to shoot some shorts for my friends and music videos. And maybe I will DP a, a feature, Can too. Can you shoot a short for me? Yeah, sure. We should definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But um, overall, I think in the next, like, five years, I'll be directing... I'll definitely have directed at least at least a couple of my own joints by then, some of my friends' joints. And Are there specific types of projects that you want to direct? Like, 
I love romantic comedies. I want those are like those. my so those are my favorite types of movies to watch, and they're super corny and cheesy. But I they like are so corny. I love them. They're like those they Netflix make me emotion, corny, emotional. Those Netflix um, corny rom coms, literally my favorite. I like, like them. They're too. the best thing. Those yeah, Hallmark. Like, give me those Christmas. little emotional tears. Yeah. Like I want to do that to people. Like they're I want to so evoke good. a mood like that. Yeah, I love them. So I want to do those. I want to do some action shit. Mm-hmm. I really want to do like this. Um, my like reference is The Shining, but I want to do like a psych word joint to kind of talk about. You saw like what is it, Shutter Island? Shutter is Island. That, yeah, I saw pieces of that. That's a good one. Well, Leonardo. Yeah, Leonardo's the man too. Shout out to him. But um, I want to do a joint like basically that. It makes it in a more narrative way details my experience like mm-hmm. in the psych ward to kind of show that like the way they treat like patients like in the, like the mental health system is is, is fucked so i want to use it that's very important i don't think a lot of people really talk about that or showcase that in film that much yeah it's terrible so i really want to use that as my talking point to talk about you know mental health and you know some mental health awareness stuff mm-hmm. so i really wanted wanted to try to shoot that this summer because like a lot of my friends are like hey let me shoot this for you and I, i'm a direct but um I think I want to do something else first so I could get the money for a budget for that. Yeah. So I got a, like three joints I've been platting on. You got your I actually ideas. wrote it on the wall up here and started writing happy-ish. That's oh, like is that a, what um, it's going to be? Not that one. This is another one that I want to do before it now. Because the first short I ever did was called Lonely-ish. What was that about? So I didn't write this one, but it was about this kid who's like depressed. Um, but yeah, Lonely-ish was about a, a depressed dude who wants to like end his life. So he takes all these pills. And then his, like, friend comes and takes him on a beautiful random day. And he, like, starts to rethink wanting to die. Mm-hmm. But he already took the he pills. Already took the pills. So he started throwing them out and shit. And you kind of leave it, like, unanswered. Like, like, we don't know if he, he actually... He just slumped outside. So you don't know if he, like, alive or dead. He just, like, jugged up or what. Where can we watch that at? Oh, it's on my Vimeo. Okay. Vimeo.com slash seeing sounds. Okay. Lonely-ish. And then what's this writing on the wall? Happy-ish? Happy-ish was, like... An extension of that, I wanted to kind of like, I didn't write that joint, but I kind of wanted to go off of that. Mm-hmm. And I was going, um, I wanted him to act in it, but he's so like. <laughs> Come on, Kenny. He a star, but he won't accept it. You know what I'm saying? He he's won't, like those humble, low key. Like, yeah. He's like, I want to be popping, but I still want to be low key. He like it. Pharrell before Pharrell came into the limelight. So gotcha. it's like, bro, like, can we utilize your stardom? Mm-hmm. So hopefully he'll end up acting in it, but I'm still writing it. So I don't know exactly what it's about, but it's like. You have the general idea a little bit. It's like you happy, but you not like, you know what I'm saying? But you still feel like a little depressed and anxious and you mm-hmm. don't know why because it's like everything in my life is cool so like why do i feel We're like just it? like so many people that we know right like everything seems to be fine like they just graduated college they're making a lot of money exactly. like maybe so they just like, got married but something still feels off and i'm doing everything that society tells me i'm supposed to do to be happy but, but i still I'm, feel like this people making well, a lot of money coming out of college right now yeah not as much where at doing what a lot of people did if they did nursing medical school <laughs> Okay. That's a tough route too. That's a tough. That's a tough money. job. Yeah, very, I mean, I don't think specific. I don't make a ton of money, but I don't think I'm making awful money. I'm saying. Same. Very, yeah. I'm I think I'm fine. Very specific. It is so. It's like the thing about going to school is like with making a lot of money right out. You either had to go for something like computer related, technology related, or health related. Computer related is really these, the lane. You make mad money doing that, bro. Because why would they tell you that? Like, they don't but it's also if you don't have an interest. I wouldn't like. School I don't systems have an are curating in that, so people to be workers, not right like now, to be. Said, you've got way more information now. 
like kids are smarter now. I was they in know the barbershop with this little young homie who in college right now, and he like about to switch his shit to accounting, and that's probably the smartest move he possibly could do. You make good money. I graduated with business management. Always been good with numbers. Should have did accounting. Yeah. And I'd have been good. Because what can you do with business management? You could do anything, but when you have an accounting degree, it gets you in so many more doors because yeah, they want that specific. The accountants on the movie make so much money. It's, they it's make easy. money. You're coming out easily. But the thing I mean? is with a lot of that stuff is you still, even after you graduate, you still have to get certain certifications. It is, yeah, it is it, routes it, you got to take. Yeah, That's it, not a problem, but I'm yeah. saying you still have to get that. What's crazy is you get into a job like working for City or something like that, doing that, they going to pay that. They pay, they pay They'll for pay you to get it. and all that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, they walk you right through it. And now you're making good money, you know? I just wish I'd have somebody... To tell you a little bit more. You know? But college, I feel like for our age people, was more of an experience. A lot of us wanted to get oh, away. yeah. A lot of us wanted to just... I wouldn't trade it in for nothing. Sports, so that's what we went to school for. You know I ran I mean? track, like, so that was what exactly. the best four years were for me. Yeah. I mean, my, my my degree didn't necessarily help me get to where I am. The school right. helped because I have relation to Buff State, which helped me get into the door. But it wasn't like I learned from that degree, but I don't regret it at all because of the experience. Yeah, but because of the experience I had. Though? Communication studies. That's, that's general. That is general, but like that's a, also a good school for that. that it is. Buff State is known for their communications yeah, and stuff department. They got a good program. Their film program is really taking it is. off, too. They got a lot of film Shout people. Shout out to Buff State, yeah. you know, and all them students come out of there. I'm in a lot of You get internships, a lot of, a lot of them there. work on it. Right. It's cool to see what is, what's happening. One of the most there. important things is, like, when you decide to go to school, you should look at what program that school is known Actually, for. Actually, important to note that the film, commis- the film commission is based out of Buff, Buff State. State. It used to be at WNED, now it's at Buff State. Yeah, so that's a, that's a testament to the moves that Buff State been yeah. making in, in the program that they developed Buff there. State, I, I, I love Buff State. I don't got nothing... I ain't got no like beef with my, them. My dad went there and a lot of my friends went there. I ain't got no beef with I'm not dissing UB, you know, but Buff State over UB. I mean, they both good schools. Shout out wherever you want to go, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it ain't got to be no over. People yeah. make it competition too much. When I'm, really, I'm we all are just trying to be the best we could be. I got to rep it. I'm, I would expect you to. That's your alma mater. I'm sticking with you. got to be repping UB. I'm going to rep UB, but I'm going to rep Buff State too. But what's good, Doc? Um, yeah, Shout out to Mayor Brown. To leave. All right, so I'm joining the podcast right now. And I want to talk about <laughs> filming. <laughs> we just had a quick little, you know, um, a chime in from Mayor Byer Brown there, guys. You got to start with a... We got to start with a tune. And after a brief interlude, we after, are back. Oh, yeah, because your dad came in here. and seeing sounds. Guys, we're back in action. With Byron. We had a little interlude. Uh, his dad chimed in for a quick second. So that was pretty cool. But Byron, I want to talk about your art. We got a week. We're a week away. A week away. September 7th. A week away. You're doing this super dope art I'm, show. I'm seeing sounds at the Statler on September 7th. Should I, should I just not address you as Byron? Should we just go by seeing sounds for the rest of this? I like being addressed to seeing sounds. Okay. I, I was like, I was going by Samo. Same, I saw your um, Samo Sun for a minute, which is like it's weird. It's touchy because it? Samo Sun. I put the sun there because, mm-hmm. ba- the the when Basquiat first started painting, him and this one dude went by Samo, and that's like that's when he started being known. So like a lot of people was telling me to look away that you calling yourself Samo, but I didn't start that. You know, my friends started calling me Samo yeah. in L.A. By the way, I was going after we watched this Basquiat documentary together, so it kind of like just came to me but then i realized that samo wasn't me it was like a person in me sometimes mm-hmm. and sometimes samo would come out of me 
and that's where the same old song come from but it wasn't i had to realize that that's not me that's just like that's just like you know something i get to transcend yeah i'm like seeing sounds like that's that's me like you could put anything with the sounds like so guys, we're switching up and seeing sounds for the rest of this interview. <laughs> sounds. So we a week away from this super dope art show. What has been like your inspiration for that? And I know earlier you mentioned that like you've been like drawing and painting ever since you were a little kid. But what has been your biggest inspiration for this show? Well, I've been wanting to do a show like this for a while now, and um, I had my first show at the Statler. It was it was pretty cool. It was a good show. Was um, that this year or? It was two years ago. Um, like it was cold too, it was still cold. Mm-hmm. But it was like upstairs. So I I love like, you know, counterculture in a cultured spot. So the Statler was a perfect spot. Now I got a different room this time in the basement. And um, my friend Truy, Truy V, don't watch TV. Like I work with him and his creative collective, AUG, which was started by ASAP Rocky. And it's, it's being headed up by another Buffalo native, Haji, who's another good friend of mine. So I was working closely with them, you know, and um, I did some collab pieces with Haji's cousin Tuli that uh, we showed. Are these all like Buffalo locos? Most of these Most people of are from Buffalo. Tuli is not, but but don't watch TV. Truly and Haji are from um, are from Buffalo, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see them working with Aug and working with ASAP Rocky, and being able to work with them, you know. So um, that's the hat I've been wearing all summer that people keep asking me about, but. Um, yeah, I was, um, oh, <laughs> you gotta hear the drop, it's sweet, it's sweet, you should put the drop right there, but, um, yeah, I, I did a group show, I did some collabs with Thule, and, um, we put those in some shows, and it, they were received really well, and I'm like, I hadn't, I hadn't done anything last year, because I was in a real bad slump, I felt like I couldn't paint last year, and just what being, what was going on in, like, your mental last year? I was really depressed and anxious last year, so it, I was just halted creatively. Like, I was just halted in life. Everything. Everything, literally everything. Like, I stopped working on some movies because I couldn't... I Can didn't I say something capable. really quick? Yesterday, I think it was yesterday when we were on set, I, I was like, oh, how are you doing? And you were like, how are you? And then you asked, like, how is your mental? And I was like... I really respected that because, like, we ask how we're doing all the time, but most people just say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. But you went a step further to really ask the question of what you really wanted, you know, to yeah, ask me yeah. was how was your mental. And I think people need to really start asking, especially, like, maybe you don't have to ask random people that, but people that you, like, at least talk to that you care about, asking them how mentally they're doing. Because things could seem fine on the outside, but, like, inside they could really be going crazy. I think that question is very important. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful that you said, yeah, my mental is good. But you would be surprised, you know, how many people I ask and they'll be like, yo, like, it could be better. Yeah. Or, like, it's not as good as it should be. Like, when I was working on that video at Westside, like, we we got to kick it a lot. Like, that's, like, big bro guy to me. Like, I'm, you know, really inspired by him. And I, I don't think everybody, anybody would take the time to ask him that. So I, I, I asked him and he, like, he harped on it for a minute. Like, he probably really damn, appreciated like, that. It's not, it could be better. And I'm like, I, I, I stress to him in the, the importance of getting his peace of mind. I'm like, I know you got a lot on your plate, bro. I know, you know, it's a lot of people coming at you right now. Just make sure, you know, you get that peace of mind. Yeah, he got a... 
I don't think people like and I've been hearing this a lot lately where they're like I don't understand what's wrong with them like they got a good job like they get to travel they do all this I don't understand what's wrong with them and it's like people equate the fact that if you have money if you have a nice job that somehow your mind is perfectly fine and it's like that's not always the case like you don't know what people is going through and so I think it's important to take the time to ask anybody but also the friends that you think are doing great like you don't really know yeah. how they're how they're feeling mentally I try to always do that for my friends yeah. or no, people I respect I'm around. That a lot. You know, just because I know, like, you know, those times last year, if somebody would have asked me that, I probably would have just started crying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did people? Did anybody ask you? People didn't start. Or you think it wasn't until you really started to? Yeah, people didn't start asking me until like I went ghost or started acting different. Like I hibernated all last summer. I ignored everybody. I need to get back in tune with my thoughts. You know, because we're we're around people that influence us. You know, mm-hmm. and influence our thoughts. So I had to really isolate myself. To figure out, you know, which thoughts were, like, your solely mine. Yeah, and then come back and, like, I had to take also time to realize, you know, when I do put myself back into the world, how do I, like, put myself there and not, like, get reconditioned? Yeah. Which is impossible not to get, like, completely reconditioned, but it's still, like, you could remain yourself amongst it. So do you think, aside if people feel like they're depressed... Do you think people in general should take the time, whether they're feeling great or happy, to take the time to maybe isolate themselves? And it doesn't mean that they're like have to hibernate for months, but take time, whether it's a couple days or a week, and to just be by themselves to figure out their thoughts and who they are without, you know, assimilating into who everybody else is. Alone time is important. Shout out to Uptown Chase. I just watched a alone time documentary yesterday. Um, is that about him or? It's basically about him and like, you know, his... um his travels, his alone time, and mm-hmm. how, you know, how it's important to him, how it shaped him as an artist. I shot a lot of it, so we were really close friends at that, that time. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, shout out to him. He's a great artist from Buffalo, too. Yeah, I see his stuff on um, Instagram quite often, and I think he's really dope, actually. Yeah, I'm proud of you, Chase. Get you a, I'm proud of you, T. We're <laughs> proud of you. Shout out to Season. Shout out to that Season. Yeah, because he has, like, a clothing line. He does music and he does fashion, right? Yeah, so Kenny started the first clothing line we was working on. It was called the Clinton Era. And, like, you know, him and him, him and, and Biz founded it. And I was, like, the creative director. And we were working on that together. It was, like, it was kind of like BBC Ice Cream. It was, like, the Clinton Era in 1990s. And it was so sweet how it was. But somewhere along the lines, we, like, reached our creative differences. And then um, he popped up with it randomly, season at this fashion show. And like I remember me and Kenny was both like, yo, why didn't you tell us? And he was like, mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to show y'all. Yeah. And it was cool to see, you know, where, how it's grown from there. Would you s- describe yourself as a creative, not necessarily just a filmmaker? Like, you are a, a creator. Yeah, on my business card, it says all things creative. It's right here. I'm making a new one. This one old, mm-hmm. but yeah, it says all things creative. Yeah, scene sounds all things. Videographer, actor, director, artist. My dad designed this one. No, I would have never designed it like that. But I, I think it was cool how he designed it, though, too. Yeah, scene sounds. But I wouldn't have wrote all that on there. I just been, I would have been good with all things creative or, you know, visual Keep technician, something that. like that. Yeah. But what my new ones are like that. They on the When way. are the new ones coming out? They on the way. They, Are they going to be ready for the show? Mm-hmm. Okay. They're going to be at the show. What can we expect? Let the people know what we can expect from the show. <laughs> Seeing sounds. Yo, I honestly don't even know yeah, what to expect. Yeah, you're just going to go with but it. But I'm going to see sounds. I hope people come see sounds with me. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of love there. 
I'm now, just... is it going to be just art, or is there going to be music? Like, like what else is going to be there? What's what's all going to be there? So, my friends in Buffalo, New York, are like musical gods. Mm-hmm. You know, First Class, Mitch Arizona, Camouflage Monk, Jay Skies, OG Soul, and Uptown Chase. Like, I work, I work really closely with them. Like, they gave me the idea to become Seeing Sounds. So, um... You know, and they got me into music. I made my first, I recorded my first song with OG. Yeah, I had no idea. You were like, this is Kenny, my producer. And I was like, producer for what? Because I, I wasn't going to think music. Yeah, his producer, don't let him. <laughs> and I was like, well, since when did you do music? I, but well, I say sense. my producer because I'm like part of first class. But he's like the in-house producer for first class. For the main people in Bubble. Yeah, but I mean, I've been on some of his beats. I make music for myself. Yeah. Like, I don't put it out. I make stuff that I want to hear or, or say things that I want to hear talked about in music. Yeah. yeah, so. And that just came because, like, the art used to be my escape. But, like. When I started sharing it with the public on such a high level, it didn't feel like it was just for me for anymore. For you anymore. So I started making the music to like fill that void that that left when the public started consuming. Are you my gonna art. keep that for you though? Most likely, yeah. Cause I'm not th- I'm not that good. Mm-hmm. If I get nice, nice, and my niggas are like, "Yo, like this is fire," I might drop it randomly, but I'm not like trying to you know make no tape or though or nothing. Do you feel like it's important? for you seeing sounds to have something that is just yours because like you just said with art it, it was fine it was your outlet but then when you started to release it out to the world you felt like you had to find something else now you have your music but if you start releasing that into the world are you going to look for something else that is just yours probably i think it's, i definitely think it's important to have that you journal i write my journals look crazy though it's like mm-hmm. you know drawings and stuff little ideas like my journal look like that. Like yeah, like ba- the back of canvases are like journals to me. Yeah, I don't. And it, I didn't mean it in the way that it has to be a typical journal. But yeah, I do. I got mad joints. Mm-hmm. I got mad joints. Well, I'm excited for your art show. Thank you for including me in the, you know, your promo team. Um, oh yeah, shout out yeah. to you for being part of the Scene Sounds promo team. I'm super excited about it, and I'm so glad we got to chat. At the end, I always ask people like. What else do you want to say? Like, this is your time. Whatever we didn't get to talk about. Do you want to add something? Do you want to shout out somebody? Like, it's your time. What else do you want to talk about? Or what else do you want to say? I think I shouted out, you know, most of the people. That you really was giving, like, a lot of people me. some props and, like, shouting them out. I respect that a lot. I, I like to give my people their yeah. flowers. Um, I didn't shout out Creative Connect. He takes really good photos. Little, He's super dope. Little Malik, Sunday Visuals. Mm-hmm. Really good photos. My bros that I came up with, you know, Peace Ivy. And Jimmy Audio, they're going to be doing music at my show, too. You know, people don't really know they do music, so I think it's really important to highlight them because they're very gifted and talented as mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, my, my brother Eric is getting married next Friday. That's a beautiful thing. Weddings are Eric, beautiful. Who? Like, I'm probably going to cry. His name is Eric Prophet. So, shout out to Prophet 2019. Um, I got to shout out Mitch Arizona again because he's the best producer in Buffalo. I mean, it definitely extends further than that. I can't wait till people know you, you know, worldwide, because I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't even know. Like, it's weird that it hasn't. But you know, when the world hears his music, I mean, it's, the thing, the great thing about that is it's, it's it's probably like here forever now. So, you know, people gonna be listening to to his music when we not here no more. Yeah, that's legacy that he built in right there. Good music. So it don't matter forever. if you know right now, cause like. Good music is definitely lasts forever. Mm-hmm. So I already know his stuff is like eternal now. Yeah. Dope. Well, seeing sounds, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got the chat. Literally, I I don't even know what was happening, but I was at home. 
I was like, I'm not doing nothing today. I was like, my friend asked me, like, can you come out and do something fun? And I was just like, I think I'm honestly just staying now. Like, I wasn't going to do nothing. Like I was going to stay. Literally. And so, tomorrow I'm doing a photo shoot with Lulu. Hey, um, shout out to Lulu. Yeah. And so. That's uh, good. I need to do a shoot with her, too. And for some reason, I was just laying on bed. And I was like. I like want to do something today now. And I was like, I saw you. I saw your ID story. You were like doing some creative. And I was like, he might just be in that mood. Like, <laughs> you, you know, know, sometimes I'm like, he might just be in that zone today. I'm like, it it will either be like, nah, I can't do it because I'm locked in on this. Or I'm like, I'm down for whatever. And so I was like, let me just message him and see like what was happening. I felt good about it. And when you responded, yeah, I was like, all right. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, like, I've been go. in OD creative mode, just planning for this show. Like, yeah. you know, but. I heard you briefly talking about it with him, but I don't think I like I caught it. I just caught pieces of it. What like what inspired you to to start the podcast? So I started it last year. Um, I've always wanted to do like entertainment journalism. That was kind of what I really went to school for. So I just love talking to people and listening to people's stories. Yeah. And um, when I got into the industry, I felt like there was not enough information of like what actually goes on behind the scenes like what people are actually doing on movie sets right i feel like the only people that were being highlighted truly are actors major directors like if you're michael bay or you know a major producer or you're steven Shout out to or, bay. or you know what i mean i feel like people don't really know you if you were those major people and so i felt like we have gaffers and we have our grips electrics we have our crafty people our yeah. wardrobe designers like our set decorators our accountants you know, art department coordinators, the production office. And I just felt like it was all these people who are working 14, 15, 16 hours a day. And nobody knows who they are, or what they actually do and contribute to a movie. And on the flip side, I felt like there's a lot of people who want to work into the film industry and have no idea what they can do in it, right? They just think, right. oh, I'm not a director, I'm not an actor, or, um, don't work camera. But Okay, if you like decorating houses, yeah, so many lanes, you know what I mean. Like a you can painter, construction, you makeup, like to paint exactly wardrobe. Like them wardrobe ladies being there, getting it. That's my favorite place to be in that stage. Like I go in there and I spend time with them. I'm like, yo, I love being around y'all. They've been so, here working. Yeah, and I just feel like there's literally something for everybody. Shout but I just felt like it's not like shout out to everybody. Like yeah, shout out to the whole crew. And so I just really felt it, like it was. It I don't know, it was something that I just wanted to do. I was wanting to create some kind of outlet, whether it was like a YouTube channel or something. And this just kind of what fell on me. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a camera, but I can record on my phone. And I started it on my phone mm -hmm. on Anchor. And obviously I have a mic now, but I was like, this is what I feel like I want to do. So I love it. That first one you did at um, MS when you launched it, mm -hmm. that was really informative. Thank with, you. With Joe. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Thank you, Nod. And I was still, like, coming out of, like, my rut at the time. No, but it was so. really good to see you. Like, if I can be honest, like, I was really happy with the people that came. Like, you know what's interesting is, like, I'm not from Buffalo, right? But, like, I think the only people from my hometown that came is, like, my super close family. Mm -hmm. Like, like my mom and, like, my gossip. It's really just, like, the great people. But most of the, like, community, like, not that I would say they're not friends, but acquaintances was from Buffalo. Like, none of the people like that really from my hometown came. And so I was like, wow. Shout out to all, like, the Buffalo, you know, like, people. Because I was like, I felt... You know, just like they came and supported. So I was really happy with everybody that came. So. Yeah, they held it down. Yeah, so thank you for coming. It, it definitely meant a lot. I was happy to be there. I was happy to support you. Like, even... And then it pulled me out of my... You yeah. know, helped me come out of that. Thank you. I'm glad was, it did something. Thank you. Thank of you course. for having me. Yeah, so... Thank you for the podcast. You know, I think, no it, I think it is real informative. And I would love to see 
more people. I would love to see more minorities on on these film sets. Like I want to work with my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And I want them that's to definitely something that we need change, especially. I mean, everywhere, but here in this area as well. There's so many people that look like us that want to work on the job sets, then, but whether they don't know about whatever reason it is, lack of communication, we just got to get them on. And everybody that'd be asking me, you know, how, yo, let me get on or how can I? Like, I'm, I apologize because I'm not in a really position to put so, people yeah. on yet. And they don't understand that. But Especially with what like, you do. You got to be in the union. The best knowledge I could give, though, is right now, you know, John Scardino is the head of the Local 21. And he's trying to grandfather people into the union. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's mad cheap because we're not getting that, like, year-round work like they do in New York City. Yeah. So you could buy into the union here for $500. And Which is not bad at all. It's, like, it's 2000 in New York City. So you're buying here for 500 and like you kind of like learn the workflow because they want to prep people mm-hmm. for these big Hollywood movies and they want to have enough crew to be working on like three movies at a time. Yeah. Because now, if it's like two, three movies, like our crew, our local crew is so slim. Like You can only do like one. Yeah, yeah. we don't have enough to have three movies here so i just want people to understand like you know you can you, if you put in that work and show that interest you could get contact the film commission too yeah you know what I mean? there's the there's two facebook groups and i usually always try to talk about this there's like buffalo niagara film professionals or western they New never York really mention that though like mention you know the union which is like not just my group like the electricians is right. grips in there it's it's, 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 it's um um, yeah, that's it's IIC, IIC Local 52. Mm-hmm. Sound is in there. I don't know who else is in there, but I know hair and makeup and wardrobe have their union as well. Yeah, that's a tough union to get into. The hair and makeup, I'm not gonna I lie. Hear that. The, Those... the, the, arts, the arts have a union too. Yep. If you want to do like set deck or you know what I mean, like a set decorator, you want to be a production coordinator, APOC, they have a union. Like, so it's, it's definitely a, a lot of ways. Um, but, I mean, you know, start with those Facebook groups, start with the film commission, and, and figure out what you want to do, and then find somebody who does that, and then just try to talk to them. Like, if you know you want to do electric or something, okay, we ha- you have Byron, you can ask, like, what do I, you know, kind of what I need to do to get my foot into the door on that aspect. And so, the more information, knowledge you know, the, the yeah. easier it is. I'm always, you know, based on someone's approach, I'm always be as helpful to anybody as yeah. I can. And Make regard. sure you approach like, people you know the right saying? way, too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Approach is, is key, especially now with things being so informal. I still get annoyed how certain people might slide into my DMs and ask certain questions. Like, they might even say they name or hi. They just might right. jump straight to it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, if a random person walked up to me and didn't even say hi or, you know, I might find it weird. And so, yeah, just because it's Instagram, I still, like, you can at least say hi or say your name or something. So I, I just think approach is, is key to to get people to want to help you. Like what is you know it's not it doesn't mean I want something from you, but why should I even help you? Exactly. So exactly. approach is key, people. But I'm not gonna hold you any longer. Take the just positive approach. Thank yeah. you so much, Kenny. Thanks for chiming in. No doubt. Yo, you want to say anything else to the people? Mitch Arizona, talk your shit one time. Go on, Kenny. I already talked my shit. He did. <laughs> he he talked his shit right from the beginning. <laughs> he did. Man, shout out to Mitchie Montana, man. Listen, yo, check out his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Mitch Arizona. I like, I like to, to put it on when I paint because mm-hmm. it just carries your thoughts because it's like melodic beats that you could really vibe to. You could ride out to it. Like, I don't know. You got to check it out. Well, there you guys have it. Now y'all know what to listen to when you're in the zone to paint. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 
Thank you, Seeing Sounds. Thank you, Kenny. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys, you know, took something from it. You guys will learn something from it. I hope you enjoyed listening to Byron um, and just understanding a little bit more about who he is as a person and how this industry has been in Buffalo and how hopefully we really wanted to grow more in this area. So again, thank you guys so much for listening to the Crew Only Podcast. Bye.